welcome to Living with a Disability, No Big Deal. This podcast is for people who want to learn how to thrive with a disability. It is also designed to share insights for those who have friends or family with a disability. Brad Gabrielson, our host, was born with cerebral palsy and uses a wheelchair for mobility. He is a North Dakota native and believes life is about managing challenges with understanding, mental toughness, and determination. Welcome to another episode of Living with a Disability, No Big Deal. This is your host, Brad Gables, and we have Greg and Jennifer back with, the, with our guest today will be Mr. Gary Christensen. Hi, guys. Hi, Brad. Hi, Brad. Hello. Thanks for having us. Welcome. Well, so today we have a special guest, Jerry Christensen, and he is part of Freedom Resource Center here in Fargo, North Dakota. And Jerry's position there is accessibility specialist, but he, he wears a lot of hats in, in doing a lot for helping people in our community with various um, special needs and accessibility needs, and is kind of uh, one who has a lot of answers. So Jerry, why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Okay, uh, Freedom Resource Center for Independent Living is one of oh, about over 400 centers for independent living across the country. We all do some similar things, but we each do things that are a little bit unique to our location. Accessibility specialist means that I'm supposed to know what the ADA requires for places of public accommodation to be accessible. And that's kind of morphed into knowing what fair housing says when one of our advocates, advocates is working with a person and they have questions about housing, they come to me and ask, what does fair housing say about getting to this apartment? And as Jennifer said, here at Freedom, we've got a temporary ramp program where we loan ramps at no charge for up to 90 days for people who need that. This was started before I was here and we we used the roller ramp product. That's how I've gotten to know Jennifer and Greg. Well, excellent, Jerry. Why don't we begin by talking a little bit to, to this month is the 30th anniversary of the ADA, the Americans with Disabilities Act. And so we're going to be highlighting some of the high points and even some of the low points and everything in between regarding the ADA. I would probably start out, Jerry, what are some of the misconceptions about uh, ADA? I know that's a, probably a too broad of a question, but I don't know if you can narrow it down to maybe just a couple of couple of things, maybe. Well, there are a lot of people with and without disabilities who have no idea what's actually in the ADA guidelines. Something I learned early on is a person with some particular disability knows what they need so that they can function in society, but they have no idea what's in the guidelines. And because of that, we get people saying, well, this isn't ADA compliant or that isn't ADA compliant but no idea what ADA compliance means. Another type of a misconception, there was a municipality not too far away from us. They were working on a different bus station. 
And somebody said, well, if we have this bus station, ADA will say that we have to have a bathroom in there. No, that's not what ADA says. ADA says, if you have a bathroom, it's got to be accessible. But ADA doesn't say that you have to have a bathroom. Uh, so, so those are some real broad misconceptions. Well, ADA is a big act, and it's got a lot of stuff in there. I know where it concerns ramps specifically is guidelines for permanent ramps on commercial properties. Is that correct, where it comes to ramping guidelines, Jerry? That is correct. Uh, commercial property, uh, the term that ADA uses is places of public accommodation and also government are the, the two biggies that ADA addresses as far as like ramp issue. A public accommodation is any place that depends on the public to come in for their business. Restaurants, hotels, gas stations, things that aren't public accommodation would be like a manufacturing plant. Your back room, for example, at the roller ramp shop where the ramps are assembled, that's not a place typically where the public goes. That doesn't apply, ADA doesn't apply in that case. Oh, okay. Compliance where it may not even be present in the ADA. Correct. No, your back shop could fall under the ADA in a different section. Title is what it's called. There's a Title I that talks about the rights and responsibilities of employers and employees. If someone with a disability applied at your place of work and they're going to work in the back shop, then there may be some requirements, some responsibilities that roller ramp would have to make that area accessible to them. Oh, sure. Like uh, public workplace type guidelines. Or not public workplace, but workplace accommodations. Is that kind of a yes. broad term? That yeah, yeah. Now, some workplace accommodations wouldn't necessarily be like in your back room. If you hired someone who's got low vision, an accommodation could be some sort of a a screen reading device or a camera hooked up to your computer so that when this form comes on their desk, they put it underneath the camera, comes up from the computer screen and enlarge print so they can see it. It could be something like that. Absolutely not related to physical accessibility as we've been talking so far. Oh, sure. Another, another thing that kind of has uh, come up that we had discussed, ADA and building codes. And for example, like I, it was only recently that I was unaware that new buildings, for example, did not have to have door openers. And I would say, well, this building is brand new. There's no door opener. Why, how can they get away with it when I find out that door openers are not included in the ADA? So building codes and ADA, Jerry, take it from there. I'm glad you mentioned the, the door openers. The building code, let, let me start that over a little bit. Everything that's in the ADA is in the International Building Code. There are some things in the International Building Code that go beyond the ADA. A good example is grab bars in a bathroom. When you're sitting down on the stool, you've got a horizontal grab bar on the sidewall, horizontal grab bar behind you. Those two are required by ADA. 
you also see a vertical grab bar on the sidewall. That's required by the building code, but not required by the ADA. The door openers. North Dakota requires door openers on any building, I believe it's 7,500 square feet or more, built after, oh, was it 2013 or 15, something like that. So if you've got a small office building in North Dakota, 5,000 square feet, even if it's brand new, door openers aren't required. But on a larger building, then they are in wow. North Dakota. In North Dakota. So in North Dakota. Other states may also require them. I haven't studied all their codes, don't need to. A biggie that comes up often is parking. Accessible parking, ADA spells that out, but each state has got unique things that are a little different. One of the things we all relate with accessible parking are blue stripes, not required in the ADA. North Dakota requires them, Minnesota doesn't. So if you see a, a blue striped accessible parking spot in Minnesota, that's all fine and good, but not required. If you see an accessible parking spot in North Dakota with yellow stripes, it's meeting ADA, but not North Dakota. Interesting. So it's um, so you've got the federal and the whole door opener thing, but actually the state designated what was it? You said five thousand square feet, Jerry. That seventy five hundred, I believe it is, in North Dakota. Okay, so that's why a lot of these new buildings, auto parts stores, restaurants that may be smaller, uh, do not have to comply, and they would not be in non-compliance necessarily. Correct. Well. Let's talk about so a little bit more on the building codes. When you're talking about building codes, now you said everything that's encompassed in the ADA is within the building codes. So how, yes. of, how often is it, Jerry? This might be an interesting question, but how, how closely do they, first of all, how closely do they, do they really stick to the, to the guidelines? And then also, do they sometimes not know Possibly, and this includes the architects and engineers. It's very disappointing how many brand new buildings do not meet the accessibility guidelines that are in the building code and thus in the ADA. Very disappointing. And you've mentioned something, a little term I've used is that we've got four layers that should be seeing to it that building is correct. Greg, you mentioned the architects that start out drawing the building. Mm -hmm. Then you often have engineers involved with oh, everything up from lighting to how heavy the wires are. We've got contractors kind of at two levels. Somebody in the plumbing shop is drawing up, looking at the plans and putting together a, a cost estimate, figuring out how many feet of pipe and toilets and that thing. Then we also have the crews who are out doing the install. And we have the building inspectors. All of these folks are should know what building code requires. And if they're following it, everything should be ADA compliant because, as we've said before, building code surpasses ADA in many places. And yet somehow things get skipped. We can see brand new buildings where the landing right outside of the door isn't level. A parking lot 
where there's a ramp in the access aisle, which is very clearly said, no, you can't do that. Uh, in so other Jerry, words, I guess what you're saying is there's often with layers, since there's so many um, you know, layers, as you said, or different moving parts, sometimes there's unintentional oversights. Is that what you, maybe in not having places and things be as accessible as they should be for people with disabilities? I guess my, my point with the layers was that if we've got these four different layers and possibly five with the contractors involved kind of at two levels, mm -hmm. that this stuff gets missed. If you've got five different people starting from the, when we look at this plan until the paperwork is signed, we're going to have our grand opening and nobody has noticed that we don't have enough room on the side of the door for someone in a wheelchair to pull up by the door and swing the door open. Bathrooms are notorious where architects and everybody will lay out and we've got good space around the sink, around the toilet, everything is taken care of. And then all of a sudden somebody throws a garbage can in there. I guess we need a garbage can in our bathrooms. Yeah. Where you put the garbage can in the bathroom, it encroaches on the space that's required for something. And it's very common. So Jerry, something else that we'd like to learn a little bit more about is the, the public right of way accessibility guidelines. Um, also, the acronym is the PROWAG, P-R-O-W-A-G. What can you tell our listeners about that? This is one of those oversight things that kind of goes back to the four layers. If you look in the assess at the ADA guidelines and the building code, you've got to have so much clear space in front of the sink. You've got to have clear space around the, the stool, uh, all of the different appliances in there. And people do a pretty good job of getting these clear spaces taken care of, but they forget about where the garbage can goes. So you walk into this very good looking bathroom, except there's no spot to put the garbage can because we didn't allow enough space for that. Very common. Well, here's that brings me to something that Brad uh, has talked about. Now, Brad in the past has, uh, Brad's got CPs, all the listeners know, and he has been instrumental in some businesses around town, for example. I'm not sure what the nature of the business was, but they asked him, I think they were either remodeling Brad or it was a new uh, building uh, and they had asked you for your input on uh, the bathrooms, for example, and you had a story about a yardstick. Yeah, I used um, uh, a friend of mine. He bought a it was an old Ferris store, and he made it into a bar. And so he has two uh, two floors. So, he, and he took the dressing rooms and made them into uh, bathrooms. And so, so. My sister calls me and said, they need you to come down and make sure the bathrooms are okay. So I grabbed the yardstick that was sitting uh, sitting against the wall, and I went in there, and he goes, okay, now, what are you using the yardstick for? Because if I spin around in my chair, I want to, you know, I don't want to hit nothing. So and I held it out there, and I didn't hit anything. I said, this is the first spot. You got the door in a perfect spot. 
you just follow what you're going to do. Everything's going to be okay. And they said, fine. Thank you. Um, that's, I know a yardstick, you're not supposed to do that, but I've I done that because I told them well, a little bit of space is a lot better than less space. Yeah. With a wheelchair, you can go a little bit further and make it easier for for us to get in there because there's more than likely you'll get more people in wheelchairs to come into your establishment. So that's what I that's what I have told him, and he, you know, he so far has been very very busy. We and he also made a little bit of a. He didn't need to do this, but he made a little bit of a, a cement ramp to get in the door for the wheelchair. So, oh, nice. So he he went a little bit extra overboard, I I, I believe, and uh, I don't know if it was because he learned from me or what, but he... Certainly must have taken some input uh, from you. Jerry, your bathrooms are supposed to be like 8 by 10. Is that... <laughs> for accessibility because i know speaking for myself that that most of the time when i go into a into a bathroom that's supposed to be accessible it's a lot easier for me because i'm in a manual chair and i can get up if i have to or leave my chair out there but it seems like they're on the bare minimum of trying to trying to comply every square inch of floor space is precious as if you're a retailer selling clothing you want to have more square inches of floor space for your sales than you do for your restroom. Of course. So they want to squeeze those restrooms down as small as possible to keep the room for their clothing display. And that causes some of this problem about, we squeeze it down as small as we can, but then if we forget about where the garbage can goes, for example, or we throw a baby changing station in there and all of a sudden, you've used up space you don't have. I have a friend who's a building official in Minnesota. He was working with a convenience store and they were remodeling their bathrooms and they made those bathrooms so small that the only way my friend would sign off on that is they had to put an air dryer in that bathroom and no garbage can because there wasn't room for the garbage can. Oh, they actually God. had to recess the air dryer into the wall oh, so they could get enough space for everything else. For him to sign off on that. For him to sign off. So why is the bathroom so small? In that case, they wanted more retail space. They didn't want to take another foot or 18 inches to make an adequate size bathroom. So they had to make that other compromise. Now, Jerry, for new, uh, for new construction, Everything is inspected, is that correct? I mean, is there an inspector that would go through and would sign off on a bathroom that's only six by eight with no handrails? Or how, how does that work in the real world? <laughs> in the real world, if you, someday I'll have to introduce you to this friend of mine and he'll tell you stories where he has been told by some local government entities or officials that either you sign off on this or you go looking for another job. It's very important for us that this store opens up to boost the economy of our town. And if it isn't quite right, you sign off on it anyway, buddy, or 
you go find another job. Wow. <laughs> and there are also some inspectors who the accessibility part of it is not their strong suit. They don't care about it. Maybe they came from a, perhaps an electrician background. So they're more in tune to looking at the electrical part of it, being sure that's all up to speed and the accessible part, eh, not so important. It's, it's unfortunate that for just about all of us, making sure something is accessible isn't important until somehow it hits us right in the face. Until my father was in a car crash in the last three years of his life, he was a wheelchair user. Well, that was a big eye-opener for me and the rest of my family because it hit us in the face. Mom and dad couldn't live where they were living. They couldn't do some of the things they'd been doing. And I think that's the way it is with most people. If you are don't have a disability of any type, it doesn't matter to you and you don't worry about it. Out of sight, out of mind, yeah, definitely. And that's part of why we're doing this podcast is just to grow our listening audience and reach out to uh, you know people who maybe don't have a disability, educate them a little bit more on how broad and how large the disability community actually is and just the, the benefits of um, accommodating. And it's not, you know, not even necessarily special treatment or special accommodations. It's just making things accessible mm -hmm. for people in our community. Brad, you mentioned a friend that did some remodeling on his, well, remodeled his building, changed its purpose. Yeah, for his bar. Yeah, yeah. He made, he made like old clothing store into a bar. Yeah. yeah. Now this private individual, if he's doing a lot of his own work, may not be aware of what the ADA says and what the building code says. If you're going to do building in a commercial building, especially, you should be aware of what's in the building code because you can get shut down for that. Yes. If somebody gets injured because of it, you could be looking at a lawsuit. Right. But right. anytime you hire a contractor to do work for you in a situation like that, that's a part of their job is knowing. Mm -hmm. yeah, but isn't it true that a lot of people, like you said, aren't, aren't either care less or not familiar with the ADA? I mean, like, like you said, they come from an uh, electrician or a plumbing con, uh, background, so they don't have any ideas, so they concentrate on what they're, especially, so, you know, it's, I, I think that might be a part of the case, Brad, but I'm not excusing them for that. If your job is to inspect that building from top to bottom, yes, you need to know what top to bottom means. Mm -hmm. uh, I agree with you, but but when they um, isn't that um, part of our job as as individuals to put ourselves out there for them to be educated? I mean, we can. We can be very useful in that in, in that part of the building process if they would let us come in with wheelchairs and make sure that it is big enough for, for us to enter the bathrooms 
or make the wire, uh, make sure the aisles are a little big enough so we don't run over their clothes, their merchandise by accident. You know, I wish they would use us more as far as with kind of like a consultant. You know. So, and even, even in that role as a consultant, and I get called in on that a few times, is I have to be aware of the entire code. Yeah. There's a, a good friend of ours, and I went out to look at some bathrooms one time. He was a wheelchair user. So we walked, went in this bathroom, and he opened up the door to the accessible stall, took a look in there. Yep, that looks good, and away he went. And I looked at him and said, uh, did you check to see if there's grab bars in there? Well, for his particular situation, grab bars didn't matter. Ah. The only thing he focused on was how much space was there in there. Oh, could he get in there? Yeah, could he get in? Could he turn around? Could he get out? And didn't look at anything else. So uh, the consultant consultant idea is great, and we need to be sure we know what we're talking about. I do have I do have the whole AD in, in my in my office. So, Good. So I do have that. It's, but um, and, and with a lot of diagrams, it's got a lot of diagrams inside it. So that's very helpful. So I take that with, and then I'll show some of the diagrams to the people that are working on it, and I'll say make sure because it shows you know. In some cases, it shows how far down from the floor to, you know, that it needs to go from the floor to the, you know, especially grab bars. You know, yep. you know so, so as far as that's concerned, um, in a case like that, I wish that we could be used more than uh, than we are. I was, when I went into the, the situation when he was making the bar. Yes, he had another contractor. Yes, the contractor came with me, and I, made, I said, "Make sure that the bars are this high, or you know what I mean." And he said, "Okay." And uh, you know, and why are you using a yardstick instead of? You know, no one ever told me coming here with a yardstick. <laughs> Nobody. Nobody um, told me that, but I also knew a friend of mine that does does that kind of stuff. He said, the, the, like you said, the more space, the better. So for us, so that's why I decided to bring our yardstick with me. So. Well, I'm not sure how they expect you to measure to see if the grab bar is in the correct place if you don't have something to measure with. Right. So I, I use the yardstick for the even even had the market on the walls so where the arts where the wow the bar should seems, go. seems elementary almost that it should have been but when it comes to bathrooms there's a company called the Bobrick company that makes and sells plumbing fixtures they also put together a very nice little booklet about what accessible bathrooms need to look like and that includes nice, easy-to-read drawings from a single-user bathroom all the way up to a, a gang bathroom with 15 stalls in it. If you would like, 
I can send you a link to that. Anybody can go look at it and download it. It's a very nice document. It's got well-made diagrams in it. I think it's easier to read than the ADA guidelines. Yes, I can send that to you, and you can sure, if you want that it. link up yeah. there. I would love it. I would love it. Yeah, okay. that would be very helpful, I think, for now and in the future. So. And the, and the Bobrick document has got the building code requirements. Mm. So it includes that vertical grab bar, for example. Mm -hmm. And another big change in the building code over ADA is that the ADA calls for a 60 inch, that's a five foot circle, five foot diameter circle for turning. Building code is up that to 64 inches because really? of the bigger power chairs and the, the little electric scooters people have these days. Yeah, definitely. Somebody's thinking was in the right mindset there and that that actually got inserted as an added bonus. So The building code gets revisited and updated every three years. And it's not tied to the federal government. So they can update and make changes much easier. As you pointed out at the beginning of this, the original ADA was signed into law this month in 1990. Mm -hmm. The first revision to the ADA came about in 2010, 20 years later. Building code can get updated and revised every three years. Wow. How do we, how do, how do we make the decision to, to upgrade the code then? How do, how, does the group of people get together then and decide, or do they talk to a lot of of the disabled community, or how does that come about? How do they make changes? Not sure. Uh, the building code, they've got uh, within the, the International Building Code, uh, whatever it is, they've got a, a group of people that continually are studying this code. In the ADA world, it's the, the U.S. Access Board is the group that looks at this code and recommends changes but again changing something in the ADA world much harder than in building code word world because we're we're dragging the federal government along with it yeah so it'd be almost easier to get the the people that do the the, the building code in general than it would be to update the ADA that's correct. Um, one of the problems we do have with building code, however, is that a local entity, Piccadilly City, we'll just say Fargo because that's where we're based here right now. Fargo could adopt the most current building code, but then they can look at that, and if there are things in the building code, I got to be careful. If I've understood correctly, what I'm saying is right. I may. I was wrong one other time, though, so keep that in mind. <laughs> Just once. Okay. Okay. All right. Don't ask my wife, okay? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> if I understand right, a local entity can adopt the building code, but can decide not to adopt this part, this part, and that part, as long as they don't drop down below, like, federal requirements. Did that make sense how I said that? Yeah, it did. Yeah, it yeah. did to me. It seems like the building code can exceed that, but the ADA must be at least the minimum bar. 
federal, yeah. federal, yeah. federal standards. Right. Nobody can go less. Well, they're not supposed to go less than the ADA, but we can walk out. One of the places I like to pick on is Veterans Boulevard. If those of us in this part of the world know that Veterans Boulevard is a very new street, that Veterans Boulevard didn't exist before 2008. So any building on Veterans, Bo Veterans Boulevard is much newer than the ADA, and most of it is newer than the 2010 update. Without getting out of the vehicle, we can drive by and we can say, we can see non-compliance here, there, there. And that's sad because that's architects, engineers, contractors, building inspectors, they all missed it. It's a systemic failure is what it sounds like. And it, yeah. if you have a systemic failure like that in a, in, on one uh, boulevard in one city in Fargo, imagine how that might multiply and extrapolate over how many, I mean, the, the building is incessant going on and you have to wonder how much of that is more commonplace than an exception jerry well that's i believe it is very common yeah so jerry some of the you're talking and greg about issues kind of here in our community um areas of the city that are not accessible in the way that they should be um can you talk a little bit about the, the what is called the public right-of-way accessibility guidelines um the acronym i guess is pro wag p-r-o-w-a-g you've got that pretty good jennifer <laughs> pro -wag. Um, the ada does not directly address parking on city streets ada is more like the parking lot for your building the parking lot at the mall such as west acres in our part of the world in directly the ADA talks about the parking downtown. All state and local governments are required to have program accessibility. Well, being the parking in most cities is enforced by the city, that becomes a program that the city offers, so their parking has to be accessible. Now the PROAG, Public right-of-way accessibility guidelines. The public right-of-way is the city street and X number of feet on either side of that street. That is the right-of-way. And that addresses what it has to look like to be accessible. All the numbers you find in the ProAg line right up with the ADA. It's all there. The ProAg has been proposed See, it's not been adopted, it's been proposed, I believe, since about 2000, but has not been adopted yet. Therefore, it's not enforceable. There are some entities, such as the North Dakota Highway Department, says that we follow the PROAG as a best practice. The building code has adopted a lot of the PROAG into the building code. So that, that's coming back to address a little bit of the the parking and crosswalks and things of that nature. Did that answer your question, Jennifer? Um, it did, yes. Yep, thank you. Just wanted, interesting to hear a little bit more about that. Um, and for on an earlier episode, we had uh, Brad and Greg talked about some barriers during the winter 
um, when they're you know wheelchair users. So maybe there there may be a curb cut um, somewhere, but in this part of the country, we get lots of snow during the winters. So sometimes a place that is yep. accessible during the summertime right now, it may not be accessible during the winter because there's a pile of snow. Is, is that? Well, it's time for a little bit of really, really bad humor. <laughs> you folks that use wheelchairs apparently do not need groceries in the wintertime. <laughs> <laughs> I've lost a lot of weight. Brad, you have a story. About my my curb cut. How did that go that day? We had that massive snow amount over in Jamestown. Oh yeah, it was funny watching him get out of his car because he we had to walk on his crutches and, and throw his chair over the snowbank. <laughs> <laughs> I dragged it over the snowbank yep. <laughs> on the glare ice, dropped the crutches, and got back in the chair. So anything would have gotten. Uh, would have gotten over there unless it would have been a, some kind of an outdoor outdoor uh, radical chair or something like that. But yeah. um, so I guess yeah, for our listeners, um, you know, maybe it's just a good reminder that when you you know when clearing, if you do live in a area where you get a lot of snow um, in the winter, when shoveling, um, maybe just make sure to clear out the curb cuts. Um, so that people could be, I mean, it, it's maybe not, not even just people in wheelchairs. It could be, you know, someone walking the dog or someone pushing a, a baby stroller, a oh, child, child carriage. Well, I, I think that's a great idea and just common sense. And, you know, you do see a lot of, a lot of it, but some people, I think just, again, like Jerry said, out of sight, out of mind, they've been walking over that hump all winter mm -hmm. so it really doesn't affect them because they they're they're not aware of it so it it is good to bring awareness jen like you say i think that's a good idea so okay so another thing that we have on our kind of list of things to chat about so the americans with disabilities act so this month uh, we are celebrating the 30-year anniversary so that that passed in 1990 but from what I understand, there was kind of a catalyst or a kind of a, a precursor mm -hmm. to that where there was something called the Rehabilitation Act of 1973. Um, and then within that, primarily a Section 504 kind of set the precedent for what is now known as the ADA, Americans with Disabilities Act. Um, so uh, Jerry or uh, Brad or Greg, could you, I want to, would you like to chat about that? Go ahead, Jerry. Well, 504 is kind of out of my wheelhouse. That's mm -hmm. a, I focus a lot on what the ADA says, but as you said, Jennifer, it's a precursor, and you see some of the language that kind of leads up to like the program accessibility. People with a disability shall not be excluded solely because of their disability. Um, precursors. Okay. If you look at the ADA, the ADA Title I is employment, employer, employee rights and responsibilities, Title II, state and local government, Title Three places of public accommodation. Nowhere does the ADA address federal buildings. Uh -huh. well, that's because that's because the Architectural Barriers Act, the AB, like in boy, ABA, uh -huh. which, re, which uh, regulates federal buildings, was signed into law in 1968. 
even before the 504 plan. Okay. So federal buildings have had accessibility requirements 22 years prior to the ADA. Oh, wow. So that's maybe something we can look at for a future episode, looking at that issue plus the, the 1973 Act. Uh, a lot, lot of interesting things to talk about. So Jerry, I actually would like to have you talk a little bit more about the Freedom Resource Center. So you are kind of the ramp guy there. So one of the things that your organization does is it provides temporary ramps for uh, people with, you know, who need a ramp. But just t talk about that, what your organization does. And, and you, you serve people not only with, you know, in wheelchairs with ramp needs, but people with all kinds of disabilities. Is that correct? You are very right. To give you the whole rundown would take another hour, so we'll sum okay. it up like this. A little summary, yeah. What, what all does Free, Freedom Resource Center do? We serve anybody, any age, any disability, and we work to help them live as independently as possible. And the best thing that we could do would be put ourselves out of business, which mm -hmm. would mean that people are living independently. We've got advocates and we work with people and, and help them learn how to advocate, advocate and hopefully learn how to advocate for themselves so that they don't need to come to us. We teach some classes, uh, the title of one class is Skills to Pay the Bills. Mm -hmm. If you can't run your checkbook and get your bills paid, someone is going to have a rep payee assigned for you so that to be sure that your rent gets paid so you don't get kicked out. Mm -hmm. Well, if you can learn how to manage your money, balance your checkbook, and you don't have to have that rent, that uh, rep payee, that's one more step of independence. We have classes about how to write a resume, preparing for a job interview. We also have some things that are just social activities. People with disabilities tend to self-isolate. Now certainly if we've got a class that's meeting in our conference room, people with disabilities are getting out of their home, but they're just in our conference room, which is a pretty safe place. Now let's see if we can take that out into the public. We had some art classes a couple of years ago. They started in our conference room, learning some of the techniques of drawing and, and mixing paints and that sort of thing. But the last two sessions, they were downtown Fargo painting cityscapes. And while they were painting, some local college students who were artist type people, stopped by and started making connections with them. That's getting people with disabilities integrated in society. And rather than have them keep coming here for this art class or just an art gathering, let's get connected with one of the universities, some art gathering there. Be a part of the, of the system so that you're not dependent on freedom even. And with our RAMP program, we loan ramps at no charge to individuals for up to 90 days. The 90 days is long enough that if you've got a temporary disability, long enough that you can heal and you don't need the ramp. If it's a permanent need for the ramp, hopefully that's long enough so you can get something permanent organized or find a different place to live. Get something going so you don't need the ramp and we just come and 
pick it up again. Just recently, I passed a milestone. I've been with Freedom for about five and a half years. And just recently, I put up ramp number 150. Wow, if you go wow. and look, let's see, look at my chart. One, two, three, four, five. We've got seven ramps that are out right now. That means there's been 143 ramps that I've put up that have been taken back down. And any particular component of ramp that I have may have been set up a dozen times or more. Because of, these are repurposed, correct, Jerry? These roller ramps that are set up, they're taken down and then repurposed for the next use? Um, repurposed, well, then kind of, but that's just the way our program works. We've got X number of sections of a roller ramp. The one I set up the other day, I used four sections of ramp, just a straight ramp. Other ramps, it's been two, three sections, four sections, and a platform for turn, who knows what. Well, congratulations on the 150 mark. That is uh, something to be said there. And I know uh, Freedom Resources, I'm sure there's not unlimited resources of uh, staff and things like that. So you probably have to be pretty creative out in the field oftentimes. True? Once in a while, there have been a few platforms that have been set up with four by four legs instead of the cute little legs that you folks supply mm -hmm. because... I was in the field and I didn't have anything else. <laughs> so what kind of an area do you cover, Jerry? Is it just like Fargo-Moorhead or? Our catchment area is the southeast corner of North Dakota. It's either 10 or 11 states. Stutzman County, that's Jamestown being the farthest west and north that we go. So we've got from Stutzman oh. County, everything south and east. And it's either 10 or 11 counties in Minnesota. I use the term wow. catchment area. Unfortunately, some of those counties we consider as underserved, and some of those counties are unserved because we do not have finances and staff to have offices there. Oh, sure. Our main office is in Fargo. We have a satellite office in uh, Fergus Falls. We've got one in Breckenridge, it serves Wilkin County and Richland County, both sides of the river. We've got Lisbon and Jamestown, but that means we've got a lot of, of our catchment area that we don't have offices in. Now, as far as answering phone calls and, and answering questions, especially with snow, it's not uncommon to get phone calls from people in New York and Connecticut. What does the ADA say about snow removal? But as far as going out and, and looking and doing things, we've got this, uh, I think it's 22 counties that we serve. Well, that's a pretty good area. You know, something that was on my mind uh, before when we were talking about building codes and inspections and things. Now, let's say that uh, me or, well, let's, let's, let's bring up the phrase drive-by lawsuits. <clears throat> which are in many cases just an attempt to bring a lawsuit against somebody or a business or an organization who hasn't, who hasn't uh, complied by the law. Now, on the more genuine nature of that would be somebody who might see themselves as an advocate who will point out uh, deficiencies in a building that supposedly uh, is or maybe thought they were to building code and they're not. Is there, 
does the person just kind of speak out and, and maybe try to educate? Or is there any ramifications of, of them pointing out such a, def, a deficiency or whatever that might be? You want to make a store owner nervous, walk in with a clipboard and a tape measure and say, hi, would you like to know if your building is ADA compliant or not? <laughs> they will get very nervous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you've done that, Jerry, correct? You've we, kind of been the enforcer at, uh, with oh, the let's, city. Oh, let's leave out the word enforcer. No, well, not enforcer. Uh, informer. Informer, yes, the informer. There, there is no fining structure in the ADA. We've got laws like uh, if you're driving five miles an hour over in a speed limit that you can get fined up to $10 and things like that. But there's no fining structure set up in the ADA. So the only teeth in the ADA is a lawsuit. A couple of ways that you can file a lawsuit. You can contact the Department of Justice, the DOJ. We've got a DOJ here in office, DOJ office. Let me start that sentence over. Mm-hmm. We've got a DOJ office here in Fargo, Tara Iverson is our lady up there very good she is passionate about things being accessible you can file a complaint with the doj if they think it's worthy of proceeding they will file a lawsuit on behalf of the united states of america Mm. not on your behalf sure anybody you me anybody we can hire an attorney and we can file a discrimination lawsuit And very often, these wind up being what we call the drive-by lawsuits, where we say, your parking isn't right, give me $5,000, I'll go away. And a lot of those, they're not concerned with fixing the problem, it's give me $5,000, I'll go away. They pick a number that's high enough they can make money, low enough that you're just going to pay it and not fight over. Kind of a strong-arm tactic by picking a number that they don't want to create any... They didn't want to create any uh, court action, so they'll go ahead and, and just succumb and, and pay the fee, and the person will go away. If the, if the DOJ comes knocking on your door, they are more concerned with, let's make it right. They're not looking for financial gain. Sure. But if the, the shyster comes knocking on your door, they don't care about making it right. They just want a little bit little bit of money in their pocketbook. Yeah, those are, those are the, there's no genuine, genuineness to that at all. Oh, let's come back to this. I'm not an enforcer. There is no deal. Excuse me. There's no ADA police. Let's suppose you are a business owner. Let's suppose you are concerned. Maybe you're concerned because you don't want to get hit with a lawsuit. That's fine. Maybe you're concerned because you want people to be able to come in. I like that even better. Contact us. We will come. We'll take a look at it. And if I, if you invite me to your business to do an ADA assessment, I'm not coming there with the idea that I or Freedom Resource Center is going to file a lawsuit. I'm coming there with the idea that let's look to see what's going on so that you can make a plan to fix things that are wrong. Some things that aren't right are extremely easy to fix. Some things are pretty difficult, but make a plan. Let's suppose you know that some things are not 
compliant in your business and you've got a plan. And then some shyster comes in and going to rattle your cage with an ADA lawsuit. Go to court with them. And you can say to the judge, yeah, I know that this isn't compliant. This building was built in 1957 and here's our plan. Here's what, what we're going to do and when we're going to do it to make it right. I'm not sure how well that would stand up. I don't know if it's going to get you out of it, but it sure would look a lot better if you can say, I've got a plan. Yeah, I, I can see I can see where where it would make it a lot easier if you had a that would probably stand up in court where if you have a plan, I'm gonna do this, Judge. It just takes a little more money to do it. Yep. Or whatever. I just need a little more time, but I plan to do this. I I can see I can I can see the the store store owner's point. So yeah, because it's sometimes it's very hard, to, especially in small um, communities like even James aren't a small community compared to Fargo, of course. But I see a, a lot of that every every day. You know, people are working their butts off to try to make a living and put put some money in, into the store, and they just can't do it right away. You know what I mean? So, well. Is there any other questions, guys? I think you made a good point there, Brad. If you were the store owner in the court of law, yeah, judge, I know I've got this. Here's my plan. I need a little bit, a little more money. And if I have to pay all this money out to the shyster, that's going to set my plans back another how many years? Good point. Yep, because um, especially like I'll give you an example of a bar. You know, a bar, you have a certain amount of people that go in there. Not everybody goes to that particular bar because, you know, and it's a smaller bar. I know there's a small bar in Jamestown that has been trying to make a, a bathroom handicap accessible. And I have approached them about two or three times on it. But I understand, but there's a bathroom right next door in the other bar. So what I do is go to the other bar, use their bathroom. Of course, I have to take a drink out of that bar, and then I also have to finish the drink that I have at the other bar. So I have, to, you know, yeah. so it's kind of yeah. That's funny. a good story. I was asking Brad. You know, geez, what if you had to go to the bathroom a half a dozen times? You're in for a dozen drinks there. The time you're done. So. <laughs> <laughs> I understand the owner's point of view, so yes, I don't push it too hard. I I kind of say, of course, are you in getting the bathroom remodeled? You know, if you need any any of my help or suggestions or any advice, anyway, I'll be willing to help you. Well, I okay. think any time you come at it with a perspective of somebody who is disabled and somebody rather than somebody that's in your face probably going to yeah. have better diplomacy maybe have a better outcome with it and they'll and they'll learn at the same time and probably be very appreciative of what you were able to help them understand kind of tagging along with that idea greg is let's suppose you raise a ruckus at somebody and they do make their place accessible well then for goodness sakes go back and patronize them and bring your friends with Indeed. If you make a big ruckus about it, and they spend a bunch of money, and nobody in a wheelchair shows up for the next 30 years, 
Well, that leaves kind of a bad taste too, doesn't it? It certainly does. So they have to be patronized if they're going to go through the motions indeed. And this is, it's a lot of good information that we're talking about here. And that that's part of the reason why we are doing the podcast to have a conversation and to reach out to our listeners, the community of people with disabilities, the, the general public. And if, you, you notice an issue with a place that is not accessible, I just, yeah, have a conversation, have a conversation with the owners or the management. And because oftentimes they maybe just are not aware. And so, hey, say, hey, if you make these minor, minor fixes, minor changes, it'll be much more welcoming and much more accommodating for people with these, you know, special, you know, or certain, certain needs. Sure, it makes sense. So, I, have an, I have one quick question, Jerry. Um, yeah. Does does your agency have like classes for new store store owners or store owners in general about the ADA? We don't have classes like that, Brad. No, there have been a couple times that I've been invited to come to um, some town business association, for example, and talk about some of the ADA requirements. And there are, there are grants, not grants, better term than that, tax benefits for small businesses. There are tax benefits for all businesses for remodeling for accessibility. But for small businesses, there's a big chunk of money that they can write off, and not just once, year after year. So your, your friend in Jamestown, mm. let's suppose that he spends... Uh, for a small business, I think it's $20,000 a year tax benefit. Okay. I don't think you knew that. This year. <laughs> but uh, I'll have to mention that to him. You know? uh, i have to ask him what kind of a tax benefit he got. And see, because I'd like him to put a ramp, a roller ramp, to get down into the lower floor. Because they have a lot of, they have like bingo down there and stuff like that. You know, and, I, and it's cheaper to get a roll around that's permanently put there than it would be an elevator. So, And that's something we'd have to look at carefully, Brad, to be sure that there's enough room to get a long enough ramp. Right. When you're talking downstairs, that sounds like a really long ramp well, to me. There's a, there's a, there's a, um, going, going through the back, there's a, Another door, you go to the front and then go to the side, and also and it also goes downstairs. It also goes down downstairs, and I think that would be easier than the stairway they got inside. So, great. Well, there's a lot of good information here, and I maybe we'll wrap it up for today and continue on some of this conversation on a future episode, but. I want to just give a shout out again to Jerry and Freedom Resource Center for Independent Living in Fargo. Um, just thank you for your time and coming on our show today and just sharing your, your wealth of knowledge. So Jerry, we really appreciate you uh, being here. Any final points before we sign off today? A couple points that just came up. One was that tax benefits for making things accessible and buildings remodeling in the ADA, they even have a little checklist as to what do you take care of first. Mm -hmm. For example, you need to get the customer into your store. 
So take care of the approach and the entry. And it talks about order of things to look at to make your stores, your building accessible for your patrons. Oh, sure. Okay. All good stuff. A lot of informative stuff about the ADA and misconceptions and everything in between. And, and Gary, I'll Probably be, could have a follow-up on it as well sometime. Yeah. Gary, I'll be looking forward to go to that uh, web address so you can, so I can run off that thing about more about the ADA, you know. Oh, in the regular, in the regular ADA. So, okay, I'll send a, a link to that Bobrick document about bathrooms that I mentioned. Okay, I'll send a link to a. It's a short page about, about the tax incentives. Okay, what else do I need to send the link for? I think that's about. Can you think of anything, guys? But I think for me that would be about. Yeah, those those would be very helpful. Yes, okay. I really appreciate it. It's been fun. It's been very informative. So, thanks, Jerry. You're welcome. Brad, where do you live? Where are you located? I live in Jamestown, North Dakota. Okay. I know, I know Beth. So. Oh, you poor thing. Yeah. I go to... <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, Beth is a nice lady, and she's a, a great person to have on our team. Yes, she is, and I know her husband, and uh, we I know her for a long time, and we even went, to, I, I confirmed with her brothers, uh, so. Okay. I've known her for quite a while, and they went to the same church I did. So. Okay. So, yep. Well, thanks, Jerry. Thanks, Brad, for having us again. If you want to sign it off till next time, we can uh, yeah. do that. Thanks for listening to another podcast of Living with a Disability, No Big Deal. And thank you, folks. I yep. surely appreciate it. Yep, thanks now. Bye. We hope you learned something today. If you would like to speak to a, with a RAMP expert, please call Roll Ramp to chat with Greg, Kathy, or Jennifer. We do not charge for, for evaluations. Typically, all we need are measurements and a couple of photos of the area where you need a ramp, and, and we can make a recommendation based on your individual needs. For, for more information, please contact Roll Ramp at 1-866-883-4789. Or the North Dakota local number is 1701-277-9471. And you can contact me, Brad Gabrielson, at area code 1701-252-8560. Or my email address is bgmarborough at gmail.com. Thank you, and you have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening to this episode of Living with a Disability, No Big Deal. Sponsored by Roller Ramp, this podcast features Brad Gabrielson, who encourages everyone with a disability to live life to the fullest. Roller Ramp is a global company based in North Dakota, dedicated to helping people find solutions to accessibility needs. Special thanks to Dopey T for his original music. We hope you'll join us again next time on Living with a Disability, No Big Deal.